2: This is where we live. I'm Lucy nall The quality of education in our communities and in our country is often debated, as it should. We know many kids in our inner cities face barriers to getting a high school diploma, but how many of these students are told that college is attainable, too? Today, where we live, we look at the Promise Scholarship Program. The city of New Haven launched in 2010, Hartford followed in 2015. The programs give students who fit certain criteria a way to pay for college. But ensuring they succeed goes beyond just providing financial assistance. Coming up we'll hear from a graduate who was a Promise Scholar and is now working in Hartford. We'll also talk to parents of students in the New Haven and Hartford school districts. We'll ask them whether the Promise of a scholarship program is impacting their child's outcomes in the classroom today. And later New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo just proposed a program that could help thousands of young people avoid college debt. But first, the New Haven Promise Program. Do you think scholarship programs like this that are supported by private companies and philanthropies are the answer to helping students in struggling schools? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266, email live at wmpr.org, find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. I want to welcome to the studio now Patricia Melton. She's president of New Haven Promise. Patricia, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me
2: been several years since the program started in New Haven. Update us on what this means exactly for students.
3: Well, what this means for students is we've had a couple of graduating classes, and we are nearing full implementation. Our program started with the first graduating cohort of high school students in 2011, and now we're uh, near full implementation, meaning that 100 percent of the benefit, all four classes will be benefiting from that. So we've had some wonderful uh, alums go through, and and we have a really established, firm program, and and we've seen really drastic results for us in the school district as a result.
2: And where did the idea come from for this type of scholarship program?
3: Well, uh, the very first uh, Promise Program is in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which started 11 years ago. And you know, uh, mayors all over the country are looking for uh, strategies that could really strengthen the city and strengthen particularly urban schools, and we even have some rural schools uh, in our network. And so uh, that program started and, and almost immediately saw some very positive results with stabilizing middle-class flight out of the city, uh, then enrollment reversed and stabilized. And, and I think that's what drew the leadership here in New Haven to this particular model. They saw this
2: working in a city in Michigan, so it was brought here. But you needed big stakeholders, one being Yale University.
3: Absolutely. We have several large stakeholders, and it was really a collaborative effort between the then mayor, John DiStefano, the superintendent, Dr. Reggie Mayo, uh, the president of uh, Yale, Rick Levin, and our wonderful partners at the Community Foundation were the signature founders who crafted the program and the mission.
2: Um, when you look at those first years, you know, where did you learn that, you know, maybe promising a, a child, if you meet certain criteria, maybe we should talk about that first. Tell us about the criteria they have to meet before they can get the scholarship, and then I'll ask my next, my next question.
3: Absolutely. Uh, our criteria is, uh, well, we keep it very simple. We uh really say that our parents and uh, sort of our marketing has really been focused around knowing your digits. So what we know is that uh, students must be in school in order to achieve. And so uh, a 90% attendance rate, which comes out to about 72 days of high school. You can only miss that amount. So we... (laughs) really counsel uh, parents around that particular uh, important metric. And then, um, you know, so if you're in school, you can get good grades. So be average. That's 80 on 100 point a 100-point scale. Be average. Just about any student can reach that and uh the students must live in the city and what we really focus on as well is community service so every scholar uh, uh, uh who qualifies for our program does 40 hours of community service and and really over these 6 years our scholars the students of the city have contributed roughly about a 175,000 community service hours to the city If they do those things and uh, decide to go in-state, our tuition benefit is restricted to in-state, public or private, then they're eligible for a New Haven Promise Scholarship.
2: And what did you learn in this first couple of years? So the first class, um, they happened to have the GPA, they lived in the city, um, they didn't uh, miss too many days of school, so they were eligible. But when you look at um, the graduation rate, what did you find those first couple of years? In well college.
3: i I think the first couple of years what's unique and uh different about well not completely different uh we're one of several really comprehensive programs that I think Richard Sugarman will talk about Hartford also being a comprehensive program that's tied to a very strong school reform effort, so it's very clear from the start this pro this program is about economic development, strengthening the public schools, and strengthening our cities. So uh, we saw very early on that the enrollment in the school district increased. So over these last six years, when Promise was announced, along with our school reform effort, uh, our enrollment in public schools has gone from 21,000 to Mm 25,000. That's pretty significant, and that curve is even steeper now. In addition, during that same period of time, we've had uh, record numbers of graduates. So the graduation rate was around in the 60s, and it's now in the 80s. And
2: we're going to hear from one of those New Haven Promise scholars in, in just a couple of minutes. But when you look at um, Patricia, when you look at the the, the um, scholars that went to college those first couple of years on the scholarship, how did they do? What was their success rate?
3: I think what we saw is that um, you know we do have a very robust data warehouse, so we communicate and track and work very closely with our higher ed partners. And so uh, one thing that's very important, what we say, is what does it look like when an entire city embraces these young people to and through college? So it wasn't enough just to get them there, but to really support them, particularly with our higher ed partners. So for us, uh, you know, most of our scholars do quite well. Over 50 percent of our scholars are getting a 3.0 GPA. And of that 50 percent, half of those, uh, close to uh, about half of those are getting over 3.5. So, you know, our students are doing quite well, and, and we don't take credit for that. It's because of our partnership with the New Haven Public Schools and our partnership with the higher ed. So it's really a collective effort. I want to be very, very clear about that. And for the students who
2: aren't doing that well, um, what were some of the barriers, and how did you address that?
3: I would say transition points are difficult, you know, not just for any city, inner-city students. If you've followed education, transition points are very difficult across the nation, regardless of what background that you come from. So, uh, you know, what we've learned is that it's really important for students to be connected and engaged, and that's why we've been very involved with the UConn SSS program or Southern Connecticut's EOP program. And what
2: are those? I'm sorry.
3: Those are Summer Bridge programs, and they're really focused uh, on making sure that students are engaged. If they're engaged then they're going to do well. If they're disengaged, meaning that they're in a new environment, they're uh, concerned, um, um, they may be in a large school when they've come from a small school, all these things make a difference. And so it's really important uh, to make sure that students are feeling comfortable, that they're feeling comfortable about Getting help. That's very, very critical. So it's, it's not unusual that students will have to stretch in that first semester, but we're right there communicating with our higher ed partners, and we do check-in calls with our students so we know where they are at every point in their trajectory. This is where we live.
2: I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking about the Promise programs New Haven launched in 2010. We're going to hear about Hartford Promise in just a few moments. And if you have a question or comment about these scholarship programs to help uh, students not only see that college um, is part of an attainable goal, uh, but it's also helping uh, kids not have the loaded with the debt that we hear from so many um, working professionals uh, these days, uh, a serious reform that needs to happen in our country in terms of, of college affordability. Uh, But you can also join the conversation, 860-275-7266. I want to turn to uh, Fontaine Chambers, who is one of the scholars from the New Haven Promise uh, program. Fontaine, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. So you're a New
4: Haven resident. Tell me about your upbringing and where you went to school down in, in the Elm City. Sure. I lived, well, I currently still do live in New Haven, but I lived in New Haven all my life. Um. I've been in New Haven Public Schools. I went to um, Edgewood Magnus School for uh, middle school, elementary. And then for high school, I attended Wilber Cross. Um, and New Haven has always been a fundamental part of my life. I'm born and raised in New Haven. My, all of my family's from New Haven. All of my family still lives in New Haven. And I guess everyone outside of my family in New Haven is my family. So,
2: And when did you hear first about the Promise Program? What grade were you in?
4: I believe I was either in my sophomore, junior year when I first heard about it um, because I am the second class to actually go through the program, but um, I more so heard about it from um, the upperclassmen, um, this juniors and seniors that were, you know, heard about the program and started to decide whether or not they were going to stay in state or go out of state for school. So they provided a lot of information and input regarding the program.
2: And what did it mean to you to hear that there was this uh, this program to help students who were doing well afford
4: college? I thought it was an amazing, amazing program, especially for students like myself who don't have that financial stability, who cannot rely on their parents to um, pay for them to go to school. And my parents made it very clear I can go to college wherever I go, but just understand those loans are in my name, not in their name. So I was always conscious of my decision of where I end up going. So that played a very important role in my decision to stay um, in Connecticut.
2: Now, did your parents also go to college?
4: No, I am the first generation. Um, I have three older siblings, but I am the only one to actually attend college and graduate. But you were just saying that
2: your parents uh, started giving you that idea that, you know, college is attainable, Mm -hmm. but not all students get that message. Or maybe they just don't think the college is for for them. Did you see that in your fellow classmates? Did you see any type of, I guess, transformation when they heard that this program's out
4: there, I just need to work hard to get it? Absolutely. I think that a lot of students were discouraged at first because they didn't really know what to expect. But um, as more information was provided about the program and the possibility to actually go to college, I saw that there was a transition in students from, you know, starting to go to class more, starting to, you know, make sure their attendance is is in order, making sure that they're even meeting with their guidance counselors and even, you know, make sure they take the SATs and get all that in order. So I I saw a lot of students, you know, gear up and start prepping and getting in the college mode.
2: Now, if this program wasn't around, you think that college still would have been part of your future, except that you would
4: have had to take out the student loans? I think no matter what I was attending college, that that was was something I always was going to do. However, it would have been a lot harder. Um, I probably would have stayed at home, um, wouldn't have been able to afford to live on campus. So I would have had to commute. Um, I think I would have had to work more um, maybe I wouldn't have been able to go to school full-time so I I think that having this program released the financial burden on myself um, especially my family and I think that you know I probably wouldn't have attended UConn to be quite honest but um, because of this program um, I was able to do so I understand you graduated from UConn in 2016 yes I did
2: congratulations go
4: UConn Huskies <laughs> <laughs> and tell me where you are
2: now what are you
3: doing
4: um, so I graduated uh, last May, 2016, and I'm currently employed full-time with um, Travelers Insurance Company um, right here in Hartford. So I commute to New Haven, from New Haven to Hartford every day, but um, I'm learning a lot. It's been a, a transition from undergraduate to full-time work, being in the real world and being an actual adult. Um, it has been a transition, but I'm loving it thus far. And I want to just turn back to Patricia before we go to break. Obviously, a big smile on your face when you hear
3: these stories. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Fontaine is one of our superstars, but she really, truly represents the character of so many students in New Haven. She received a very prestigious award, the Champions Award. She uh, finished, uh, you know, with a very high GPA, the dean's list. She traveled. I don't know if she told you that. She traveled abroad twice to London, and she's been all around the world. And uh, as she's done that uh, the entire Uh, community city of New Haven has followed her and she's been an incredible role model and inspiration. And that's really, you know, one of the uh, sort of the secret sauce of of these promise programs is not just our promise programs, but when, you know, peers see their older siblings go to college and they're able to pass on that wisdom that is so important to success, uh, particularly intergenerationally, uh, that's what really gives us even an added extra boost.
2: Now, I know the New Haven Promise um, provides these scholarships for in-state schools. Do you find that more of these students who are Promise scholars who are going to college, graduating, are staying in Connecticut?
3: I uh, I don't know what the the trend is. I just know for for us, we've seen those numbers go up. So in our first year that we, uh, you know, had the scholarship in 2011, about 135 students, uh, you know, roughly about 300 students applied, 135 students you know, receive the scholarship. And then last year we had roughly over, you know, roughly about 500 and, 35 apply, and uh, 330 uh, receive the scholarship. Uh, some of those went out of state, uh, and when they go out of state, they can participate in our paid internship program, which still um, adds and contributes a lot to their education. Uh, but we have seen that number go up, and we're now starting to leverage those dollars with uh, additional dollars like the UConn Promise and Commitment, with, which adds an additional $5,000 for each Promise scholar that attends UConn.
2: This is where we live. I'm Lucy nalpa Today we're talking about the New Haven Promise Program. I want to thank Fontaine Chambers for joining us. Again, a Promise scholar in New Haven, just graduated from UConn last year and now works in Hartford. Fontaine, good to meet you, and, and congratulations on your success. Thank you so much. Now, speaking of Hartford... Hartford's Promise program launched in twenty fifteen. How's the first class of promise scholars doing? We'll find out after the break, and you can join the conversation eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. Email where we live at WMPR.org or as always find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Today we're taking a look at the Promise programs in both New Haven and Hartford. In 2010, when New Haven announced the scholarship program in partnership with Yale and other sponsors, then-Mayor John DeStefano Jr. said it had three goals. Give New Haven youth a pathway to college, combat a 38 percent high school dropout rate, and give families an economic incentive to move to the Elm City. In studio with me is Patricia Melton, president of New Haven Promise, and you mentioned that you've seen those goals realized in New Haven.
3: Absolutely, and we're pushing for new goals, higher goals. Such as? Such as, uh, you know, uh, John Stefano and the other founders were very clear that it wasn't just about making New Haven a vibrant place, uh, both academically but also economically. So we have a very robust internship program that we've run for the past four years. And there are a lot of initiatives that are really focused on making sure that we can grow our innovation core with, uh, you know, Yale New Haven Hospital, Lexion. So we started with roughly about 20, a dozen uh, internships four years ago, and we now have a hundred plus paid internships. And Yale is very much a part of that, as well as New Haven Works, which is an initiative of our uh, alders and the city, and Yale, you know, and other employers.
2: And joining us now to talk about Hartford Promise is Richard Sugarman. He founded the Connecticut Forum, co-founded, and left in 2015 to become president of the Hartford Promise. Richard, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Lucy. Great to be here. Thank you.
2: Now, are the goals of Hartford Promise similar to what we're seeing in New Haven?
1: Yeah. I th- By the way, it was great to listen to Fontaine and her story and listen to Patricia, and they've done such great work in New Haven. And Uh, So I think the goals are certainly similar in terms of of Hartford Promise. I think the way we've designed the program is a little different, but we have the same goals uh, that Patricia mentioned.
2: And so you're looking at not only um, getting kids to realize that college is attainable, even if there might be some financial restrictions, um, but are you seeing also people moving to Hartford because they hear that there's this incentive?
1: Well, we've been doing this for for one year, so we have our first group of Promise Scholars are, are just in college right now, so I feel like I'm taking care of 144 Children right now, but Lucky. <laughs> we, we, so it's a little early to, to to really say that the data is there. But we certainly see the interest, momentum, I think, inspiration, motivation. We get calls from people who live in Hartford or are thinking about living in Hartford that they know about the promise and they want to know, you know, how their children can qualify and if they stay in Hartford. So, and we also know that. What's happened, and, and Patricia made reference to this, is that, you know, there's a, there's an, a, a change in college-going culture in the Hartford Public Schools – at uh, the sense that college is not only possible, but college is really doable for many of these kids. And that's not with, only with the students and the parents. That's also with their teachers, with their guidance counselors, with principals, this idea of sort of raising expectations that college is part of what happens if you're a Hartford Public School student. And we think that's, that's like critically important, just that message. So we're seeing those changes happening but it's a little bit early to say that we have uh, we have all the data at this point.
2: And how, how far back is that message going are you, are you talking that you know starting in kindergarten kids are hearing that you know college could be for you here's how we can get there.
1: So so that is certainly the goal. I mean we would say that with our own children we want them to be thinking about college from the the time they begin to think about school and and we want them to be on that track. So that's the goal for Hartford students and for Hartford Promise. I would say just realistically at this point we're trying to get back to freshmen. We're trying to make sure that we're conveying the message to freshmen that all of you, when you start high school, are on track to be Promise scholars. And all you need to do to stay on track to be a Promise scholar is have that 3.0 GPA, have that 93% attendance, and this scholarship is there for you. Over time, we hope to get back into seventh grade and sixth grade and fifth grade and earlier and earlier. But at, the mo- at this moment, you know, we're really focused on ninth grade students through, through high school.
2: And how do you engage with parents to get them interested in this program, to know that it's out there for their kids?
1: So we attend uh, as many uh, meetings at schools. We're invited. There. So there are 18, this is this is sort of interesting, most people are not aware of this, there are 18 high schools that make up the Hartford public school system. So we try to make ourselves visible and available to all of those high schools, whether it's freshman, first day of school, whether it's it's sophomore Uh, parent meetings, whether it's senior award ceremonies and recognitions. We just try to make ourselves available, and we try to make it easy for parents to connect with us and counselors and principals to connect us with parents. Now, you know, many of these parents are working. It's not that easy for them to come to a meeting at school. Uh, Frequently, transportation can get in the way. There can be challenges. So we'll just make ourselves available wherever. If it's not school, it might be churches. It might be community-based organizations. It might be in our office. It might be wherever there are adults, parents, kids in Hartford. We're trying to make ourselves ourselves available there.
2: Now, before we hear from a couple of parents, you know, I'm curious with this, this first class. I think it's 144.
1: 144.
2: Um, how are they doing in terms of they're in the door now, but what supports are you right. providing them while they're in the college? So this is a
1: really good question, Lucy, and I think it's important for people to understand. For a lot of these students, um, they've had to overcome real challenges to get to this point, as Patricia said earlier, we see these students as role models. I mean, they've been able to navigate and and use resources, their own resources and, and perseverance, to get through tough challenges and, and and get to this point. But for many of them, for example, they might be accepted into college, but there's this phenomenon called summer melt where many of those students who are accepted don't enroll in September because life gets in the way, because issues get in the way, because maybe self-confidence gets in the way. So getting them through that summer melt and reducing that number of students who, who fall subject to summer melt has been really important. A very small number of our students were subject to summer melt versus maybe as many as 15 or 20% of the general population. So that's one point of success. The second point that I think is, is clearly important is that first-year persistence or even that first-semester success. Or for a lot of these students, that first class, that first test to do well. In many cases, these students aren't sure if they belong in these environments, if they can do it. There's this question of confidence and question of belonging that Patricia mentioned, and that first test can be very significant. So we have found that by our being connected with these students and reinforcing that they do belong and that they can make it, being available when they run into problems to be able to talk with us, for us to be able to connect them with peer supports at their schools and other support systems that exist at their schools, key relationship, key supports that also Patricia mentioned, that all of those things make a huge difference in terms of that first year and first semester persistence and success. What we found at this point of of our 144 scholars, approximately 90 percent, of those students have been successful in their first semester and moving on into their second semester. We think that's a very good number. You know, our goal is that 100 percent of our Promise Scholars graduate college, but at the very least we want to see that graduation rate be at the same level as it is for any other group of students, 80 and 90 percent, and we're on that track.
2: This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Today we're talking about the Promise programs in Connecticut. Richard Sugarman is here, president of Hartford Promise, also Patricia Melton, president of New Haven Promise. And I wanted to bring uh, the parents' perspective into this conversation. I wanted to start uh, with Angela Levy, who's on the phone. Um, she's a parent of two former classical magnet school students in Hartford. Angela, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Thank you again for coming on. Let me Tell me a little bit about your children and, you know, some of the perspective that you have about the Promise Program when you heard about it.
5: Um, I have two children. One is a senior at um, the University of New Haven and um, was a graduate in May. And I have a freshman um, at Hofstra University. And um, my freshman, Tariq, he's, um, he's a Promise Scholar. Um, he was one of the first recipients of the 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been wonderful. It's been a lifesaver.
2: You said a lifesaver. Um, if this program didn't exist, would your children be where they are today?
5: There would be at some college, <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> sure that I would have been able to afford a mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, that's where you wanted to go. He fell in love with it. And um, Hartford Promise, you know, made me um, a better person that I was able to fulfill my promise to him because I promised, you know, if he worked hard, he could go to college. And hard, after Hartford Promise was a lifesaver. It came just in time.
2: Now, you have another uh, child you said is a senior at uh, University of New Haven? Yes. So this was a, a student that was not able to take advantage of Hartford Promise.
5: No, I wish it was around um, when she graduated, but it wasn't. She would have been able to if it was around.
2: So we're we're happy to hear that both of your children are doing well. Um, are you hearing from other parents that might have kids a little bit younger than yours, and and what um, you know their feelings are about this this opportunity that they have?
5: Oh yes, um, they they love the idea. Um, You know that's one of the great things um, and I'm going to sing classical praise because from the moment we um, enter orientation um, they preach that you know college is in reach college is a must basically so it was ingrained um, in the students ahead so to know that the promised scholarship is here it's wonderful it just that's the icing on the cake
2: Another parent's joining us now, Carmen Matthews. Um, She has two students in the New Haven Public Schools. Carmen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us about um, how old your students are.
0: So I have a fourth grader and I have a junior in high school.
2: And what's Promise mean for you and your family?
0: Uh, It really means a great source of pride, really, to live in a city and be in a district that... uh, really believes in a college-going culture and not just believes in it, but actually makes the investment in it.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, are you seeing, so you have a, a fourth grader and 11th grader, because Promise in New Haven's been around for several years now, are you seeing that because that opportunity is there, it's it's making an impact in your children's, you know, outcomes in class today?
0: Absolutely. Last year when my daughter was in third grade, I reached out to the Promise Um, because I wanted to do outreach sooner. I know my son in high school, he already knows. It's been around for a while. He has uh, several Promise Scholars at UConn, uh, friends. But um, my daughter's third grade teacher was doing a civil rights lesson, and she wanted to make the difference how education was for students of color back then and the possibilities that are available now, especially with the New Haven Promise. So we had a New Haven Promise scholar come into the class and expose the students to the scholarship, and my daughter now fourth grade class, they know all about the scholarship. They know they They even have aspirations of certain colleges that they want to go to.
2: I want to turn back to um, uh, Patricia Melton, who's president of New Haven Promise. Um, so we're hearing good things from parents. You know, this obviously is great if, if their kids um, can be encouraged to not only do well in school but know that college is attainable. Um, you know, I'm curious. You know. What else you've been hearing from community members, and you know Yale signed on to provide a lot of support, but what happens if that support um you know goes away in the future? Can you talk about you know the how stable this program is?
3: Oh, I think this program is rock solid stable uh, <laughs> Yale has uh signed on for a number of additional years. Uh, I have a very good root, re- you know just in general it's a very small community there and Uh, the president of our board is the president of Yale (laughs) uh, as well as the mayor is on the board and uh, the leaders so this is uh, a a program that really is embraced by a lot of different uh, leading uh, leaders in the city and I I think we can be confident that this program is going to be around for a very long time generations
2: and the corporate sponsors they see why this is important to invest in this way
3: Absolutely. I mean, uh, like I said, we do have a couple of graduating classes. Uh, We had a, a very large internship fair on January the 4th over at Yale and Yale's Landman Center. And we had roughly, probably a combination of 200 scholars as well as uh, maybe 100, 150, you know, folks from the community and various organizations, including Yale, the city. Uh, we have a pipeline that we're building with the school district and education pipeline. So the the entire city really is bought into this and has a lot of pride about it.
2: And Richard, I'll turn back to you. You know, I didn't ask about you know corporate sponsorship for Hartford Promise. You know, we know that you know times can be tough, and since the recession, especially, like getting people on board uh, to invest in this way, uh, philanthropies. You know, how stable is Hartford Promise? I know. Well, I, I I
1: agree with Patricia. It's very it's very stable, and this is really a bright spot for Hartford with all the other things we hear about budgets and so on. This is truly a bright spot. And it's not just a bright spot. It's a, it's a necessity. It's an imperative. So we have great support from travelers, for example, from Hartford Hospital, from Hartford Public Schools, from the city of Hartford, from many foundations, Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, the Hampshire Foundation. So this is, this is really broad support and broad buy-in to the, the idea of Hartford Promise. And, Lucy, one of the reasons, I mean, we, we, we all know – the data shows us that a college education, that, that success in college is the most significant way, the most impactful way to change all of the sort of social issue outcomes that we're concerned about. If we want to raise health profiles and health outcomes, if we want to increase, the, the, obviously, the, the workforce, if we want to change family composition, if we want to address crime and, and, and addiction issues, all of those things, nothing impacts those things more than attainment of a college degree. So this is an investment not only in the community. This is investment in the outcome of people. So we have lots of folks in Hartford who have bought into this. This is going to be around, and it's a real bright spot.
2: How challenging is it when we look at Hartford's, you know, budget uh, picture? I think the headline a couple weeks ago is 200 layoffs could happen within the schools. Um, You know, to keep kids motivated, to make sure that they're getting the education that they need in the classroom so that they can get to that point where they're getting that diploma.
1: Right. So, I mean, this is an issue. I think the real issue for us in Hartford and maybe in Connecticut is to not get bogged down by all the negatives, but to see the positives, see the assets, see the strengths. There's many, many, many of those things. And sometimes budgets are just realities. But that, again, that's one of the reasons that we need something like a Hartford Promise to be a real positive, to be an inspiration. Not only for students and families, but for teachers and counselors and principals and, frankly, for for city officials. They need to see something optimistic and hopeful. And, frankly, they need to see these kids who are real role models and and see them as an inspiration. So, I mean, I can't do anything about the budget issues directly, but I can be and for Promise can be a real source of hope and inspiration.
2: I wanted to ask both of you, um, you know, obviously college, we know that the data shows, as Richard uh, mentioned, that with outcomes, when you go to college, the outcomes for your future, you know, it gives you that stability. But what about the students who, you know, maybe college isn't for them or they want to go to a specific trade. You know, a few months ago we did a whole show about um, the tech high schools in the state and how they're preparing students um, for specific trades. I mean, how do you address that with the students? I'll start with Patricia and then I'll go to Richard.
3: Well, I would say that uh, uh, one of the things that we had to do uh, when, when I arrived in New Haven was to really think about how our messaging goes out there to parents. Because when people hear that promise uh, pays full tuition, they interpret that to promise pays for the total cost of college. Couldn't be more incorrect. We make college affordable, not free. But uh, most, there will be a lot of funds that will come from, like, the federal Pell Grant. For every dollar that we give this year, uh, our students get $2.71 in other free federal aid and other scholarships. So, So Promise is really very critical to spur other activities that and and other funds that go to help uh, make college affordable so you know when we look at what promise has been able to do in New Haven public schools it has really spurred other funders to come forward so we have another complementary scholarship called New Haven scholarship fund and that that funds in uh, a number of different students about 250 students. There's some overlap, but a number of those students go to, uh, you know, they have different requirements, but they're able to attend, you know, uh, vocational schools or, you know, other types of programs like truck driving school, beauty school. So it's, we're really looking at trying to build an ecology, and Promise is one very important backbone to that for a city or a region. And so uh, we just need to keep in mind that it really spurs and lays down the gauntlet for a whole number of funders to come forward which is what we've seen in New Haven.
2: And Richard,
1: yeah, Lu- Lucy, I would say it's a it's a really good point. We know that there are many things that are the right choices for students and I think our our interest really is making sure that students are right matched with post-secondary opportunities. And if that means a certificate program or if that means the military or if that means any number of other things, we clearly encourage that, but our principal role is to try to make an array of college choices available. Unlike New Haven Promise, the Hartford Promise is available to students for both in-state and out-of-state schools, because we want students to have the whole array of choices. We want students to be right-matched with that post-secondary experience. So again, we have no no bias in in terms of what that might be as long as they're aware of those choices and the right match with those choices
2: uh, one of the parents angela levy says her son attends a hofstra he was one of the hartford promise yep. scholars but you know is it difficult i mean you want to give them the opportunity to go out of state but then how do you get them back to Connecticut we hear so often that kids in their young you know early 20s they don't want to be here
1: right well the the reality is students are going to do what they're going to do and they're <laughs> going to they're they're going to have their but course but Connecticut of,
2: needs them right I
1: understand they're going to have their course of life and we'd love all of them to come back to Connecticut but again our goal is to right match students with opportunity and open up the whole array of opportunities to them we know that many students who go to college in Connecticut are going to go off to other places, and many students who go outside of Connecticut are going to come back to Connecticut. We know that's the case. We know that there's a lot of opportunity here and that we want to grow the the talented workforce and educated workforce in Hartford and in Connecticut. But our principal goal is to give students all the choices possible, just like we would want for our own children.
2: Richard Sugarman, president of Hartford Promise. So, again, this first uh, class will be uh, ending their freshman year um, come spring. Where do you go from here?
1: Well, we go to the next class, (laughs) and we go to these students going to their sophomore years Mm -hmm. and, and being successful. I mean, one of the interesting things about this, Patricia and I can both speak, you know, there is a lot of momentum and work in this and that it continues. And it's a bit like a treadmill that goes faster and faster with more and more kids joining you on the treadmill. So uh, where we go from here is we continue to spread the word. We continue to make sure that more and more students are aware of Hartford Promise and their parents at earlier and earlier ages. And we continue to do what we call reach forward with our Promise scholars into college, build relationships with those colleges to make sure that they're providing everything possible to help those students be successful. And we continue to grow Hartford Promise.
2: 144 scholars. So obviously you want that number to go up for that second class?
1: We do. Absolutely. We want enrollment to grow up. We want the number of Promise scholars to grow up. We want the number of students in Hartford Public Schools and people living in Hartford to go up. Absolutely. All of that.
2: And Patricia, again, New Haven Promise has been around a little bit longer.
3: so uh... And we have achieved all <laughs> those things that uh, Richard has uh, touched upon. I mean, I think the thing that we see is that our scholars, I mean, when we look at our demographics, about 75 percent of our students come from families with incomes below $60,000. So we're talking about we're changing lives. And, you know, a large percentage, probably close to 75 percent of those, uh, you know, of our population are first generation of college. So we're talking about making the American dream is is there in our city, and we have a city that understands you know what their citizen really needs, and we are delivering on that promise so we 're really very excited, and we could not be I have to say, Richard, we were just so delighted uh when uh Hartford uh, comes on with a promise because the work is so dynamic and you know, frankly, I, I I'm hoping that we will not be the only two promise programs in Connecticut. There are other cities. It's a great strategy, and so we're hoping that we can see it even more here.
1: Kindred spirits, Patricia. Absolutely, Kindred spirits.
3: absolutely.
2: And those Connecticut uh, grads through New Haven Promise are they coming back to Connecticut?
3: <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we <laughs> not have, going to
2: Boston, right?
3: <laughs> uh, no, we have a we have we have a a, a very large celebration. We call mm-hmm. it a scholar celebration in August to welcome you know, the incoming class in. And, and we've been branding, uh, our our brand is two through and back. So to college access, we create that college-going culture throughout the city. Through, we uh, really focus on college success. success and then, and back, because we are interested in competing for our scholars. And we repeat, uh, compete quite well for them. So many of them do come back. It's a theme that's uh, very strong theme throughout uh, New Haven and um, we're, we're able to compete with Boston and other places.
2: <laughs> That's good to hear.
3: Thanks to Patricia Melton,
2: president of New Haven Promise and Richard Sugarman, president of the Hartford Promise. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you, Lucy. Also, Thank you, Lucy.
2: to parents Carmen Matthews and Angela Levy who were on the phone. Now next, if you live in New York State, you could go to state school free under a proposal by Governor Andrew Cuomo. We're going to find out more after the break and you can join the conversation 860-275 57266 this is where we live This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Now, coming up Thursday, train travel in the Northeast might soon be faster, more accessible, and more reliable. But a lot of this relies on the federal government. On the next Where We Live, rail in Connecticut. Are we on the right track? That's Thursday. And we know many of you tune in to Where We Live on your car radio or stream us live at WMPR.org. But if you can't listen live, you can always subscribe to Where We Live on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any podcast app. Now we're shifting from Connecticut to New York State now to learn about a program its Governor Andrew Cuomo just announced that would help thousands of
6: students. It is incredibly hard and getting harder to get a college education today. It is incredibly expensive and the debt is so high it's like starting a race with an anchor tied to your leg.
2: That's New York Governor Andrew Cuomo speaking in Queens two weeks ago, announcing a program that could help New York State students. To tell us more, we're joined by Jesse McKinley, the New York Times Albany Bureau Chief. Jesse, welcome to the show.
6: Good morning. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. But tell us about this plan. What is he uh, What is he proposing?
6: Well, it's, it's a fairly ambitious idea, kind of uh, jumping off of what Bernie Sanders had proposed uh, during the presidential campaign and then had subsequently been picked up by Hillary uh, during her campaign last year. Uh, the idea would basically be to extend uh, state monies, New York state monies, to students who uh, are under a certain income threshold. Uh, in, in the case of New York, it would be up to $125,000 by the time the program was fully implemented in 2019. Um, it would essentially fill in the gaps from monies that they're already receiving, either from New York State or from federal Pell Grants, and basically complete their tuition, thereby you know fulfilling this mission of a tuition-free education.
2: So what's the current cost estimate?
6: Well, it, you know, it depends. That That is always a moving target when it comes to state money. Uh, the the governor himself believes it would cost about $163 million when fully implemented, but a lot of people seem to think that that might be a lowball number. Um, and even in talking to budget analysts here in New York State, um, you know, it depends on, to an extent, the success of the program itself. If, uh, if in fact, this does draw more people into state universities and city universities in New York City uh, and enrollment increases, as enrollment would increase, so would cost. So that 163 could conceivably become much bigger.
2: So what has been the reaction to this proposal? I understand Bernie Sanders was alongside Governor Cuomo at that, at that Queens event.
6: Well, Bernie Sanders certainly liked it, (laughs) considering it was his idea. Um, But, uh, you know, by and large, uh, in the legislative chambers here in Albany, it has been, um, you know, Measured, but but supportive by and large. Um, certainly, public um, education advocates have been supportive of it. People that work at public universities or or um, support public universities have been uh, have been supportive of it. There has been a little bit of blowback that I've heard from private colleges that say, "Oh well, this gives uh, state schools kind of a a leg up in terms of a, in attracting uh, you know attracting talent uh, attracting students." Uh, but by and large, I think it's been pretty well received.
2: So you're going to see some competition among different schools?
6: I think, um, you know, I think that if you talk to private um, universities, they are fearful, particularly, you know, second or third kind of tier private universities that are, you know, sometimes struggling and sometimes, um, you you know, competing with with lower cost state universities for students. um, That's where you're really going to see the the most of the complaints. I think in terms, uh, internally, in terms of the SUNY system, which is massive, there's 62 campuses statewide, um, there'll be less kind of competition between campuses. uh, But it certainly gives SUNY, uh, you know, a, a a powerful kind of promotional talking point when they're trying to, you know, market themselves to students.
2: And what about um, impact on costs for out-of-state students?
6: Um, it, the, one of the stipulations of uh, Governor Cuomo's plan would be it would be only for state residents. Um, so you would have to, in order to take advantage of this, you'd have to move to New York, you know, establish residency and then apply to school, um, which, you know, conceivably up, you know, upstate New York would be good. But, you know, by moving to New York City, you would probably spend as much money as you would save uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, simply to establish residency there.
2: Could you see out of state students paying even more to go to one of these new york institutions i that
6: that would be speculative i mean i that would feel unlikely. I think this is mainly geared uh, i mean particularly the income you know limit on this one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars is kind of geared at uh, you know kind of capturing middle class students who you know are kind of on the fence you know that that they might want to go to a state school they might want to stay close to home uh, and this makes you know a state school that much more attractive
2: now when we talk about tuition free it's not like there are all these New York State um, young people are going to be going without any cost they still have to pay for housing and books the, the food plan
6: yeah absolutely and, and education advocates will tell you that you know it, it, it's all fine and good to, to you know waive tuition or support tuition but you're absolutely right those extra costs can actually outstrip tuition by a factor of two or three um, and, and this program does, does nothing to address those. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of optically, in terms of politically, for uh, a Democratic governor, particularly a Democratic governor like Governor Cuomo, who seems to have some sort of presidential ambitions, this dovetails very very nicely with like a, a number of other progressive policies that he's mm-hmm. tried to champion, including a higher minimum wage and paid family leave and things like that.
2: Now, he made this announcement, what, two weeks ago, and we're just seeing yesterday, Rhode Island's governor is announcing a similar program
6: well there's a, you know nothing like a, a a nice fat headline to attract the attention <laughs> of other other political mm-hmm. figures around the country and in in uh, you know to give credit where credit was due of course bernie came up with this idea during his primary challenge to hillary clinton hillary clinton of course picked it up during her presidential campaign and even prior to that states like Oregon and Tennessee had actually established programs that would basically do the same thing for community college, you know, two-year schools. Uh, what's different about the New York plan is that uh, Governor Cuomo is proposing for all schools, four-year and two-year, um, which, you know, syncs with what uh, both Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton were advocating for last year.
2: I'm curious, uh, Jesse, you know, in Connecticut, we're talking often about how do we keep these uh, young college-educated uh uh, people back in Connecticut in New York State. Do you see a lot of them leaving as well? Or are they staying put?
6: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the you know the population trends in in New York, particularly upstate New York, and by that I mean pretty much anything north of New York City, uh, that has been either stagnant or like slowly declining for the last several generations. So it is it is a you know it is an active and ongoing problem for upstate New York big cities like Albany and Syracuse and Utica and Buffalo and Rochester that kind of eerie canalway um, uh you know chain of cities you know they have steadily seen people and particularly young people kind of leave for greener pastures you know there's uh particularly when manufacturing jobs started to dry up up there and even high tech jobs in places like rochester uh there wasn't a lot to keep them home um and so i think that absolutely this is an effort um to kind of say why don't you stick around and and you know go to school around here and maybe you can improve the community while you know improving your own life
2: So the next step, the New York State Legislature needs to take this proposal up.
6: Yes, uh, the legislature is actually in in New York State. They they hold a six month uh, session, which begins in January. It's Mm -hmm. begun uh, two weeks ago, and will go until June. and by and large, the kind of betting money right now is that this will get through. There may be some modifications. Uh, there may be uh, more than likely Democrats will want to expand the pool, you know, maybe make the limit even, even a little bit higher. Republicans in the state Senate will probably want to, you know, enact some cost controls to make sure this doesn't get out of hand. But the betting money right now here in Albany is that it will get through and it will become law. I want
2: to thank Jesse McKinley, the New York Times Albany bureau chief, again, explaining uh, Governor Cuomo's uh, proposal to allow uh, in-state students to go to state schools uh, tuition-free. Jesse, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Jeff Tyson. Our executive producer, Katie Tolarski, Our technical producer, Kayon Wolf. I'm Lucy nolpith As always, thanks for listening.